This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, tonight, we're treated to the talents of George Burns and Gracie Allen. They worked together as a successful comedy team that entertained vaudeville, film, radio, and television audiences for over 40 years. The duo met in 1922 and married in 1926. Burns was the straight man and Allen a silly, addle-headed woman. The duo starred in a number of movies, including Lamb Chops, 1929, The Big Broadcast in 1932, and two sequels in 1935 and 1936, and A Damsel in Distress, 1937. Now, their 30-minute radio show debuted in September of 1934 as The Adventures of Gracie, whose title changed to The Burns and Allen Show in 1936. The series ran moving back and forth between NBC and CBS until May of 1950. After their radio show's cancellation, Burns and Allen reemerged on television with a popular situation comedy running from 1950 to 58. Burns and Allen's radio show was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame in 1994. <laughs> the premise of tonight's show's a dandy. A female singer is suing George. Now, that's trouble enough. But on his way to the courthouse, George runs into a car. A car owned by the judge. From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show for Hormel and Spam. Crazy people. Spam, Reba, Boom, Spam. George Burns and Gracie Allen are the show where there's orchestra for singing glee with a smoothie street. Last but not least, and with Bud Heaston. <laughs> again with George Burns and Gracie Allen bringing a big load of fun. Tonight we find George and Gracie about to leave for the courthouse where Elsie Trellefast, the girl whom George promised to put on the radio, is suing him for $200,000 for breach of contract. And here they are, George and Gracie. Gracie, before we leave for the courthouse, it's very important that you get this right. 
Now, I'll try again for the 50th time. Now, you're on the witness stand, and I'll pretend I'm the attorney. Now, you're going to be my character witness. What's that? What's that? Yeah. A character witness is someone who would say you're nice, you're sweet, you're charming, adorable. Judge. What? I was out with a character witness last night. <laughs> I better re- I better reword this whole thing. Look, Gracie, if I were your character witness, I'd say you were kind, considerate, in fact, a lovely girl. Oh, now I get it. Good. Now we'll try again. Miss Allen, what do you think of George Burns? He's kind, considerate, in fact, a lovely girl. <laughs> Gracie, I'm not a lovely girl. Have you tried washing your undies in luck? <laughs> Gracie, for instance, if someone got up and said Mr. Burns is a straightforward, sincere, hard-working, industrious man, a credit to his community... What would that be? A paid political announcement. <laughs> Bud, will you show Gracie what you're going to say when you're called as my character witness? Uh, certainly, George. I'll say George Burns is good, fine, and wholesome, just like Spam. He's loved by young and old, just like Spam. People enjoy him at picnics and parties, just like Spam. As a matter of fact, they are alike in all respects but one. Spam doesn't need refrigeration. <laughs> Thanks, Bud, but uh, that's a nice TL for me, but I don't need refrigeration either. No? Then why does everybody say that you're going to be in the cooler? Gracie, <laughs> it's very important that you know what a character witness is. It's someone who knows me personally and gets up and tells the jury what they know about me. Uh, Senor Burns, I shall be most happy to be a character witness for my friend who I've known for a long distance. <laughs> Well, thanks, Senor Lee. Now, what would you say about me? Pues tendré que decir la verdad, ¿verdad? Como soy un hombre muy honrado, me veré obligado that's, a decir... Uh, that's que very, que very que... nice, Senor Lee. But uh, why don't you say what you know about me in English? You want to lose the case? <laughs> well, I can see Elsie Tralafaz spending my $200,000 right now. George, your car's waiting downstairs. We'd better start for court. Well, thanks, Artie. Oh, uh, by the way, Artie, will you tell Gracie what you're going to say when you're on the stand as my character witness? Oh, sure. I know George Burns, and I've been with him for a long time. We've never had a contract. His word is his bond. And I might add that I only wish that I were half the man that he is. See, Gracie? Who are the things I have to say to hold this job? <laughs> That's nice gratitude. Why, Artie, when I first met you, you were expensive, and I changed you. You thought of nothing but running around and having a good time, and I changed you. What were you when I first picked you up? Huh, a baby. And he changed you. Oh, quiet What do you think, this is a joke? I don't know, it got a laugh I wonder if Elsie Tralafas is having this kind of trouble George, I'm surprised that lawyer isn't here yet Oh, by the way, Gracie, are you sure that lawyer you hired for me is all right? Well, he handled my uncle's divorce case and settled the whole thing in one day How did your uncle make out? Well, he got the custody of his wife's parents <laughs> Gracie, I've got a TL for you. I'm not going to use that lawyer. I'm going to defend my own case. Everything happens to me. Mr. Burns. What is it, Mr. Soundman? Nothing happens to you. A famous psychologist once took two newborn babies, of which I was one, brought me up scientifically and allowed the other baby to follow his natural inclinations without any restraining influences. While I was learning Greek, ornithology, higher mathematics, and diction, the other boy played marbles, cops, and robbers, and spoke through the side of his mouth. That was many years ago. We're both men now. His name is James Cagney, making $10,000 a week, and this is what I do for a living. 
Don't be so envious now, man. After all, what's James Cagney got? All day long, he sits in the stuffy studio under those hot hot lights kissing Ann Shirt. Should happen to me. <laughs> How can I be so witty with a lawsuit staring me in the face? You know, that's cute about James Cagney, but I know another success story. It's about a girl who was very poor. Then one day, out of the clear blue sky, her whole life changed, and now she's going to have all the money she needs to buy all the nice things that she dreamed about. Oh, that's a wonderful story, Gracie. Who's the girl? Her name is Elsie Trollifast. Elsie Trollifast? <laughs> Come on. Come, everybody. Let's get into the car. We'll never get to the court. Smoothies. Take it. You ask me why I'm always teasing you. You hate to have me call you pretty baby. I really thought that I was pleasing you. Or you're just a baby to me. Your cunning little dimples and your baby's fair. Your baby talking, baby walking, curly hair. Your baby's smile makes life worthwhile. You're just as sweet as you can be. Everybody loves a baby, that's why I'm in love with you. Pretty baby, pretty baby. And I like to be your sister, brother, dad, and mother too. Pretty baby, pretty baby. Won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love And we'll cuddle all the time Oh, I want to love the baby and it might as well be you Pretty baby of mine I must love a pretty baby and it might as well be you Pretty baby, pretty baby Pretty baby, pretty baby Come and let me rock you in my cradle of love And we'll cuddle all the time Oh, what a loving baby And it might as well be you Beautiful baby of mine Oh, my everybody loves a baby That's why I'm in love with you Pretty baby of mine And I'd like to be your sister Daddy, mother, too Pretty baby, pretty baby won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love And we'll cuddle all the time Oh, I want a loving baby Well, I could be your loving baby Well, could you love a sort of maybe Oh, I've got plenty of love in me, baby Oh, that pretty little baby of mine Well, Gracie, we'll reach the courthouse in two minutes. Is everything clear in your mind? Yeah, except one thing. What's that? What's the character witness? Gracie, look. If you were on trial and I'd get up in court and say that you're intelligent, considerate, and a conscientious girl, a person who has a keen sense of responsibility, whose brilliance is matched only by her beauty, why would I say that? Well, because you're under oath and you've got to tell the truth. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going out of my mind. Hey, hey, look out for that car, George. What car? <laughs> that one. Gee, George, that was your fault. The man's getting out of his car. I know, but leave it to me, Artie. I'll just start hollering and scare him to death. <clears throat> hey, mister. He looks half your size. Hey, Duke. He's standing up now. Look, he's twice your size. Now, listen, chum. Now, listen here, you... You drivers like you shouldn't be allowed on the street driving through a safety zone. Don't you know the traffic rules? 
Do you know what the single white line is for? Yeah, that's for trucks to follow. What's the double white line for? That's for pleasure cars to follow. What are the zigzag lines for? That's what the Los Angeles drivers follow. <laughs> Evidently, you don't know how to drive a car. My dear senor, you don't know how to drive a car? No. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> you mean ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, I'm in a hurry. Out of my way. Everybody, I'm going to step on it. Say, George, when you started the car, you bumped into him. Yeah, and he's got your license number. He has? Yeah, on the seat of his pants. <laughs> oh, I can't understand it. My case was supposed to have started a half an hour ago, and the judge isn't here yet. Hey, bailiff. What happened to the judge? He's back there ranting and raving. I've never seen him so mad. How do you like that? I'm being sued for $200,000 and he's mad. What happened? Well, on his way to the courthouse, some crazy driver ran into him. <laughs> this is a fine thing. Some dopey driver running into Oh. George fainted. Well, what's the matter with him? Well, he's suffering from a run-down condition. He's run down? No, the judge was. Oh. 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 What happened? Now I remember. My case. The accident. The judge. Say, Bailiff, don't tell me he's the judge who's sitting today. Yes, he's on the bench. He may be on the bench, but I'll bet he's not sitting. <laughs> yeah, he's probably saw about something, if <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. Look, I can't appear before this judge. As soon as he sees me, I'm a dead duck. Well, George, why don't you just comb your hair in front of your eyes? Then he won't recognize you. Uh, Senor Burns, nothing would help you with that thick head of hair. Leave my hair out of it. All right. Nothing will help you with that thick head. <laughs> Here's an idea. Why don't you comb your eyebrows down over your face? Comb my eyebrows down over my face? That's silly. Who the judge think I am? John L. Lewis. John L. Lewis? Oh, a Labor Day joke. I see what's happening. I wonder why I get up. I wonder if things like this happen to other people. Thank you.
what's keeping the judge? I hear he was in an automobile accident. Marie, which one is George Burns? I don't know. Uh, pardon me, but if you'll allow a sound man. You see that handsome fellow next to the old man? Yeah. Well, the old man is George Burns. <laughs> Gracie, the judge will be here any minute. Now, do you know what a character witness is? No. No? A character witness is a party that says nice things about another party. Oh, let me see. Can't be the Republicans and Democrats. Look, Gracie, let's... Pardon me, are you Gracie Allen on the radio? Mm-hmm. I'm Gracie Allen here, too. Well, that charming young man who always talks about Span, is he here in court, too? Uh, pardon me, I couldn't help overhearing your conversation, madam, and uh, thank you very much. You know, tomorrow, millions of American youngsters go back to school. Oh, aren't you going to talk about Span? Give them time, madam. Well, when school opens, times will be busy, so we want to give you this suggestion about school lunches. Spam? Right, Spam. Whether you pack a lunch or the children run home at noon, you'll make a hit with Spam, S-P-A-M. Youngsters love this delicious meat, the grand flavor, the satisfying taste. Spam keeps without refrigeration, is all ready to eat as soon as you open the can, and is easy to use in dozens of time-saving ways. Put plain Spamwiches in the school lunch box or serve sliced Spam with hot stewed tomatoes, bread, butter, and milk, a swell school lunch at home. Isn't he wonderful? Yes, he's a little dreamboat. <laughs> oh, and here's one more very important thing. Besides taste, you want quality. So you may know exactly what you're getting. Hormel is proud to put on the label of the Spam can this sentence. Pork shoulder meat with ham meat added. That's your guarantee of goodness and quality. For Spam is a perfect blend of these two choice cuts. So solve your school lunch problems with food that's nourishing, tasty, satisfying, and good. Ask your food dealer for Spam, S-P-A-M, when you shop tomorrow. Try the easy recipes on the label and discover how this delicious meat solves mealtime problems in a hurry. I think this young man is the best announcer on the radio. And furthermore, I think you should give him a raise. I'll consider it, madam. Goodbye, Mr. Burns. Goodbye, madam. Goodbye, bud. Goodbye, mother. Slice it, dice it, fry it, bake it, cold or hot, scram hits the spot. Everybody rise. <coughs> Court now in session. His Honor Judge Hammer presiding. First case in the docket, breach of contract suit. Elsie Tranifast versus Judge Nathaniel Borden's alias Poopsie. <laughs> Are both sides ready? Plaintiff is ready. I represent Elsie Tranifast, Your Honor. George, you better cover up your face. If the judge finds out who you are, you'll lose the case. If he covers up his face, it'll be even worse. What do you mean? He'll get him for concealing a deadly weapon. <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll just hold my head down. Come, 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 come. Now you're wasting the court's time. Uh, will the defense speak up? Well, Your Honor, I'm George Burns, and I'm defending my own case. Young man, when you speak to me, stand up straight and look at look straight at me. Well, Your Honor, I'm down here tying my shoelace. Oh, never do that, young man. This morning I bent down to tie a shoelace, and the car hit me right in the safety zone. Well, that's, that's life, I guess. Uh, why, the fellow who was driving that car must have been blind. Blind? He hit you, didn't he? <laughs> quiet, Gracie. Well, George, I'm not going to let anybody say you're blind and get away with it. Gracie. I think he's got you're a lot of the whole thing. Aha! But... Turn around, young man. So you're the fellow who hit me in the safety zone. Hmm, that's George. Cold or hot, he hits the spot. <laughs> Gracie, please. 
You see, it wasn't my car, Your Honor. It was a car that resembled my car. Oh, maybe the judge was struck by the resemblance. <laughs> you see, Your Honor, what... Silence. Miss Calabas, so this is the man you're suing. That's right, Your Honor. <laughs> well, well, let's get on with the case. And uh, you're suing him for $300,000. No, Your Honor, $200,000. Such a small sum. <laughs> Your Honor, you're not going to let a little thing like being hit in the safety zone affect my case. Mr. Burns, this is a court of law. What transpires between myself and yourself will absolutely have no bearing on the case whatsoever. I assure you, you will have a fair, unbiased, impartial trial. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Senor Judge, you cannot do that to Senor Burns. A finer man shouldn't leave. <laughs> Stop helping me, Senor Lee. Take it easy, Senor Burns. You'll strain your tinsels. Tinsels? Si. You mean tonsils. Tinsel is something that's covered with guilt. You're innocent? <laughs> Gracie, I can see I haven't got a leg to stand uh, on. Just leave it to me. Look, Gracie, will you stay on? Now, I want to testify for George Burns. Oh. Are you prepared to say that George Burns is innocent? Yes. I never told a lie in my life, and all I want is a chance. Gracie, will you come back here and... Silence! Let's get on with this trial. The case for Elsie uh, Talapas versus George uh, Poopsie Burns. Will the jury stand up and call out their names? Joan Talapas! Tom Talapas! Al Talapas! Jimmy Talapas! Adam Talapas! Junior Talapas! Arthur Talapas! And Clarence Talapas! <laughs> well, that's... that's only eleven... You there in the corner. What's your name? Willie Burns. <laughs> so. So, Poopsie, you're trying to fix the jury, eh? Now, listen, Judge, I don't even... Silence, silence. Quiet or I'll have you find $100 for contempt of court. $100? That doesn't begin to show your contempt for this court, does it, George? I see. Will you stop? Mr. Burns, is it true that you took Elsie Talavest to the beach and played piggyback with her? And well, nobody. And put her on the radio? Uh, you did? Next witness. Put your arm right now. Silence! <laughs> <laughs> what a trial. Programs, programs. Get your programs. Can't tell the judge from the criminal without a program. <laughs> I object. Who are you? Hardy Shaw. And what are you objecting to? I haven't had a line for ten minutes. <laughs> Your Honor, I'll prove my innocence. Gracie, will you take the stand? All right. Now, <clears throat> what's your name? Gracie L. Allen. What's the L for? Oh, please, George, watch your language. <laughs> Where were you born? San Francisco. Before the fire? On the back of the piano. <laughs> Listen, Gracie... You know what my father said when I was born? I object! You guessed it! <laughs> now, will you tell the court, Miss Allen, have I ever promised Elsie Tralifaz to make her my partner and put her on the radio? I don't remember. You don't remember what? I don't remember what you told me to say. <laughs> But did I ever promise to put Elsie Trellifass on the radio? I don't know. Artie, did I promise to put Elsie Trellifass on the radio? I don't know. Canada Drive pays out $10 in the set of the encyclopedias to Mrs. Walter Murphy who sent in that question. 
Uh, isn't there anybody in this court who can say one nice word about me? Mr. Burns, if you'll allow a sound man. Oh, with pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, opposing counsel and your honor. Well, now you'll hear some stuff. You cannot try Mr. Burns as you would an ordinary layman. Actors are different from most people, and therefore they cannot be adjudged by the same standards. And what makes you think Mr. Burns is an actor? Your Honor, every performer has something that endears him to the public. Well, he wouldn't know that, you see. Eddie Cantor makes people laugh with his pop eyes. I've got some stuff, too. Charlie Chaplin gets laughs with his wistful look. That's right. Fred Allen gets laughs with his nasal twang. And what does Mr. Burns have that makes people laugh? Gracie Allen. This is fine. If I had my... Silence! Oh. Gentlemen of the jury, you have heard all the evidence. All the evidence? I object, Your Honor. I have something to say that will prove my complete innocence. And any... Out of order! Silence! Gentlemen of the jury, you have heard all the evidence in this case. I want you to go to the jury room now and weigh each bit of testimony very, very carefully and come back with an impartial verdict of guilty. (laughs) Help! I'm being framed! Thanks, Judge. Oh, that's all right, Mrs. Troutgrass. I'll see you again tonight. Oh, well, just a minute, just a minute. Now, before this thing goes too far, I want to warn Elsie Trowerfash right now that if she doesn't drop this lawsuit against George Burns, I'll tell all about her being out with Johnny Hyde. Oh, no, no, not that. I'll talk to and pay all the costs, but please, please don't tell them about Johnny Hyde. You, my client, you knew Johnny Hyde? She knew Johnny Hyde? She knew Johnny Hyde. She was out with Johnny Hyde. Johnny Hyde. She knew Johnny Hyde. She knew Johnny Hyde. Johnny Hyde. Johnny Hyde. Johnny Hyde. The George Burns acquitted. I see you were simply marvelous. You saved me $200,000, and I certainly appreciate it. But there's one thing I'd like to know. What's that? Who's Johnny Hyde? Who's Johnny Hyde? Yes. Who's Johnny Hyde? Who's Johnny Hyde? Well, who is he? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Remember, mothers, school starts tomorrow, as if you didn't know, and you're going to have to have a lot of ideas for lunches. Why not let Spam do the work? Youngsters love this delicious meat, and you can bet your life Spam will satisfy husky appetites. You'll like the way Spam saves kitchen time, too. It keeps without refrigeration, is all ready to eat as soon as you open the Spam can. In lunch boxes or on the table at noon, Spam is wholesome, nourishing food for school youngsters. Ask for Spam, S-P-A-M, when you shop tomorrow and try the easy recipes on the label. Well, thanks, bud. Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Goodnight. Well, come on, I'll take you home. Oh, George, I can't. I've just had a summons. A summons? Oh, Gracie. Coming, Judgey Wudgey. I'll be right there. Good night, George. Good night, folks. <laughs> Listen again.
again next Monday night, same time, same station, for George Burns and Gracie Allen, with Artie Shaw and his orchestra and the Smoothies, brought to you by Hormel and Spam. Until then, this is Bud Easton reminding you to remember that cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. Stay tuned for Judy Canova next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Judy Canova in the episode entitled The Picnic, where Mel Blanc is among the many guests. Palmolive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Colgate Tooth Powder for a Breath That's Sweet present The Judy Canova Show with Mel Blanc, Ruby Dandridge, Verna Felton, Joe Kearns, the sportsman, Opie Cates and his orchestra, and starring Judy Canova. A boy met a girl at a railroad station Their trains were an hour late And over a cup of coffee He begged her for a day She looked so demure and shy and then made this reply Why don't you look me up Down in Chichi Hachiwachi Chichi Hachiwachi My hometown Why don't you look me up Down in Chichi Hachiwachi It's sleepy little creepy little wonderful one horse town You gotta get a train for Waku Waku Time to catch a bus for Taboo Taboo Better bring along a little bale of hay Cause you'll have to ride a mule the rest of the way So why don't you look me up Down in Chichi Hachi Wachi I'll be watching and waiting for you Why don't you look me up Down in Chichi Hachi Wachi Chichi Hachi Wachi My hometown Why don't you look me up Down in An exclusive horseback riding and picnic supper party has been arranged in Brentwood. Handsome Benchley Botsford will be there, and Judy is all excited. As our scene opens, Judy is talking to Aunt Aggie. Aunt Aggie, I'm going to hang Benchley's picture up next to Van Johnson. Oh, men, men, men. Judy, when you hung up Van Johnson's pictures, I told you not to use nails. Aunt Aggie, I don't need nails to keep his picture on the wall. My heavy breathing does it. <laughs> And you know, I feel the same way about bench 
Ashley. Here, look at my hope chest. Hope chest? Why, Judy, that's only a cigar box. It's not much of a chest. Shucks, I never had much hope. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right here now, if I play my cards right at this picnic, eventually might ask me to marry him. Oh, Judy, wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, I can see you now, going down the aisle, wearing a dress with a long train. No, no, my dress ain't gonna have no long train. Why not? Once I start heading for that altar, I don't want nothing around my ankles holding me back. <laughs> By the way, Judy, have you done your shopping for the picnic? Yeah, that again, I'm plumb wore out. I guess it was a mistake to let the neighbor's dog carry the meat home for me. If the dog helped you carry the bundles, why are you worn out? Well, I've been in the backyard all afternoon digging for pork chops. <laughs> Judy, that's ridiculous. Besides, at that exclusive picnic, pork chops will never do. Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe I'd to get a chicken. A chicken? Oh, yes, that would be nice. Uh, do you want to pull it? Shucks, no, I'll carry it. <laughs> now, remember, dear. Remember now. It's important that you pack a nice lunch. Yeah, because the men are going to bid for the girls' lunches, and I won't eventually buy for to get mine. Oh, then you should fix something appetizing, like, um, Limburger cheese souffle. Limburger mm -hmm. cheese? Yes, it's easy. You put it in the oven at 350 degrees, leave it in for 45 minutes, and forget it. Aunt Aggie, when you put that kind of cheese in an oven, you can't forget it. <laughs> hey, Miss Judith, look at this package you brought home. Why, what's wrong with it, Geranium? Well, I unwrapped it and unwrapped it, and there was nothing in it. Oh, Geranium, that was a roll of paper towels. Golly, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I must be getting absent-minded. I guess that's because I got a letter from Pomeroy today. You did? What'd he say? Well, they're sending him over to help occupy Japan. But Pomeroy would rather have his old civilian job back. He ain't in favor of occupation. What was his old civilian job? No occupation. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, Judy? I sent Palmer a picture of me in my new dress, and he says it makes me look graceful as a greyhound. <laughs> you mean the kind you bet on? No, honey, the kind you ride on. <laughs> I better get back to the kitchen. I got a stew sitting on the stove. Well, let him set that till he sobers up. <laughs> <laughs> Say, geranium, never mind putting the fork in a spaghetti bowl. Put in an egg beater instead. Okay. An egg beater, Judy? What do you need that for? Well, Aunt Aggie, when I eat spaghetti, I gotta have something to wind it with. <laughs> Pardon me for talking in your face, senorita. <laughs> Pedro, what's on your mind? Well, senorita, I'm worried about my cousin, Roberto. He doesn't stop running around. His wife is going to leave him. That's too bad. See, he sure is going to miss her. <laughs> senorita, I tried to elope with my girl last night. Still don't get it. You did, Pedro? Neither do I. See, <laughs> I put a ladder up to my girl's window, but her father caught me when I was halfway up the ladder. Golly, what'd you do? What could I do? I painted the side of the house. 
Senorita, I like to neck with my girl. She always says her kisses will send me. Do they? No, I'm too smart to go. A tasty banana to you too, Pedro. Gosh, Aunt Aggie, I wonder if Benchley likes going on a picnic. Oh, yes, I hear he loves to. He loves to? Mm-hmm. Shucks, that's even better than going on a picnic. <laughs> oh, there's the phone, Aunt Aggie. I'll answer it. I ain't afraid of them things no more. Howdy. This was your idea, so start talking. Miss Canova, this is Brenda Laverne. Where I come from, when we pick up a phone, we say, are you there? It's much simpler. Oh, I reckon you're right, Brenda. You say, are you there? Then if there ain't nobody there, there ain't no use going on with the conversation. Is <laughs> I called to tell you, Miss Canova, that you're wasting your time with Benchley Boxford. You're not at all in his class socially. Well, Chuck, are you? Indeed I am. I was born in a mansion at Bar Harbor. It's a real show place. Yes, that ain't nothing. They put a plaque on the house I was born in. You ought to see all the people stop and read it. Really? What does the plaque say? Brooms for rent. <laughs> Jay, tell me, how do you figure on winning Benchley? You can't fix a picnic lunch. Perhaps not. But I baked a lovely fig pudding for him. A fig pudding? Shucks, that won't get you nowhere. I baked a fig pudding for a bunch of fellas back home once. Didn't they like it? No, they kept asking for dates. playing her interpretation of the St. Louis Boogie. Well, it looks as though Brenda Laverne is going to give Judy a run for her money at the forthcoming picnic. As we look in on her now, Judy is talking to Aunt Aggie. Dolly, I sure wish I was a pin-up girl like Brenda Laverne. Pin-up girl, pin-up girl. Judy, I am sick and tired of hearing about pin-up girls. Yeah, me too. What I'd like is a man I can pin down. <laughs> now, Judy, you mustn't let Brenda give you an inferiority complex. Just because she has beauty and a fine education. 
I suppose she know you know that she got her B.A. and Ph.D. at Vassar. Oh, shucks, that ain't nothing. Back in Cactus Junction grade school, I got an A.B. and an S.A.S. A.B. and S.A.S.? What's that? Absolute bonehead to say after school. <laughs> well, anyhow, I finally graduated and I got my sheepskin. Oh, your father must have been proud when you brought home that sheepskin. No, he wasn't. He looked at the sheepskin and he says, I bet they gave the smart kids the meat. <laughs> that is Judy. Miss Brennan LeBun is in the living room. Shall I show her in? Yeah, Geranium, you show her in and I'll show her up. Okay. Well, Miss Canova, I must say you're wearing an odd writing habit. Are those supposed to be jeans? Jeans? Shucks, no, everything I got on belongs to me. <laughs> you know, we're having a riding contest at the picnic this afternoon. Have you done much riding? Well, no. The last time I went horseback riding, every time I said get up, the horse backed up. When I said back up, he went forward. That must have been a very stupid horse. No, it wasn't his fault. I was sitting on him backwards. <laughs> well, I'm sure Benchley will be impressed with my fancy riding. By riding at full speed, I can pick up a handkerchief with my teeth. You know, I tried that once, and I almost had to pick up my teeth with a handkerchief. <laughs> After the horseback ride, Miss Canova, the men were bid for the lunches we packed. And the finest lunch will attract the most eligible man. Yeah, I know. You know, the quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So I put delicious molasses cookies in my lunch. Yeah, but molasses is kind of slow. I baked a hasty pudding. <laughs> Here, you want to taste one of my cookies? Thank you. Oh, my, it tastes terrible. Benchley won't like these. You left out the baking soda. Oh, that don't make no difference. He'll have to take that later anyhow. <laughs> well, Miss Canova, I'll see you later. I'm warning you, I have my cap set for Benchley, too. And remember, opportunity knocks. No, it don't. It parks out in front and honks the horn. <laughs> Say, Geranium, I got to pack a lunch and brush up on my horseback riding. You got to help me. Honey, I can't ride a horse. The only horse I ever rode was a draft horse. A draft horse? Yeah, I couldn't get a volunteer. <laughs> you know, Geranium, I want to cook something super for the picnic. I think I'll bake me a snow cake. A snow cake, Miss Judy? How do you make it? Well, first you take a pound of ice and cover it with molasses. Mm. Then you put it in the oven for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes? Then what? No cake. <laughs> I sure want to look my best tonight, because after the picnic, we're going to play Pony Express Post Office. Yee! Pony Express Post Office, hey, what's that? That's kissing by slow stages. Oh. <laughs> I ain't in no hurry anyhow. I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I know that game, too. You know that, honey? Yeah, you're kissing poles. Then you're kissing poles. Well, the fellers can kiss me, but they better keep the paws to themselves. <laughs> Pardon me for talking in your face, Senorita. Oh, hello, Pedro. Did you get the car ready to drive me to the picnic? See, si, and I fixed the front fender so they won't get bumped up in front anymore. Oh, good. You did? How? I put him in back. <laughs> 
Pedro, you probably ruined them. You better go and put them back where they belong. See, I will go now. I hope something I shouldn't be doing wasn't what I did, and if I hadn't been doing it when I wasn't, then I can prove it. Oh, Count, I don't want to sell my lunch to you. Oh, Sherry, I will start dividing. I offer you one franc. Never mind, Frank. Just bring on Bench the Bosford. <laughs> no, Sherry, the franc is French money. I want to start dividing. Have you never been to an auction? Just one time. I did some bidding on a parrot once at an auction, but somebody kept raising the bid. Yes? Yep, I bid $20, somebody else bid 25 Then I bid $30, somebody else bid $35. But I finally got the parrot for 50 bucks. Hmm. Could the parrot talk, Sherry? Could he talk? Who do you think was bidding against me? <laughs> now, tell me, why are you so interested in me? Oh, because your face reminds me of the stars in the heaven. Really, Count? Like the stars? Yes. Your eyes are like Jupiter. Your cute little nose is like Venus. And your mouth is like seven lovely stars strung together. Count, you get out of here. Now, get out. Oh, but Julie, I only said that your mouth is like seven stars. Yeah, I know. It's a big dipper. <laughs> and now, here's Judy to sing a little song for you. I was wrong. Dear, when I left you, oh, I was wrong to turn you down. Never dreamed how much I'd miss you till my head started spinning round and round. Oh, I was wrong to say goodbye. Never thought you'd make me cry. Oh, I found out. I've been gone You were right, little darling I was wrong I was wrong To ever leave you You're the only love I've known I was wrong To ever grieve you Take me back in your arms Where I belong Oh, I was wrong Go away Please believe me when I say Oh, I found out since I've been gone You were right, little darling I was wrong
Well, Judy's in the kitchen with geranium preparing a picnic lunch she hopes Benchley will bid for. Golly, geranium, when Benchley bites for taste this cake I baked, I bet he kisses me and just won't be able to break away. Why, honey, your kiss is that good. No, but I'll have marshmallow frosting all over my mouth. <laughs> Gee, when Benchley comes over here on his way to picnic, maybe I can keep him all to myself. You mean keep him away from this, Brenda? Honey, how can you do that? I'm going to sprinkle myself with some of this new perfume. Boy, it sure affects men. Yeah, what kind of perfume is it? It's called Atomic Bomb Number Five. <laughs> One squirt and they flirt. <laughs> Why, when I bought it, I had to sign a paper releasing the store from all responsibility. My goodness, Miss Judy, look here. What happened to that rice pudding you was making? It's all burnt up. Yeah, I can't understand it. I did just what the recipe said. Yeah, what did it say? It said, bring to a boil on a brisk fire, stir for two minutes, then beat it for ten minutes. Then what? Shucks, when I come back in ten minutes, it was burnt to a crisp. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> kind of silly, ain't Hard-boiled eggs would have been easier to cook, but there wasn't any eggs in the hen house. Yeah, but this dude, I heard those chickens cackling. Oh, that was a false alarm, Geranium. What do you mean, false alarm? Well, if a hen cackles when she's sitting, she's laying. But if she cackles when she's sitting, she's lying. <laughs> Gee, I sure hope Benchley likes my lunch. Gosh, maybe that's Benchley now. I'll answer the door. Hello, who are you? <laughs> Hello, remember me? I'm Walter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. You're the new fellow who moved in at the head of the block. Yeah, that's me, Walt. Had a blockhead. <laughs> hey, you want to know something? Eh, uh, you appeal for me. <laughs> I do, oh, shucks. I bet you're just saying that. Oh, no, I like you. Hey, I even brought you a picnic lunch. I packed it myself. What I mean, I... I packed it. <laughs> you did? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to sit on it to get the lid closed. <laughs> I shouldn't have put that pineapple in there, though. Tim, look, I, I got a malted milk for you. Where? It's right here in my pocket. A malted milk in your pocket? Yeah. Hey, that's funny. It was here a minute ago. <laughs> Gee, I told that fellow not to make it so thin. <laughs> hey, well, I, I got to go to the picnic now. I got I to gotta, I gotta go to, to the picnic. I... Well, I hope you have a good time. Oh, I will. I, you know, I like horseback riding parties. Last time my horse kicked me in the face. <laughs> Boy, could we have laughs. Gosh, everything happens to me. I wonder how he got by Winchester the butler. Oh, Winchester. Oh, yes, Miss Canova. How did that fellow get in the front door? Well, you see, his entrance was so precipitous, I was unable to remonstrate with him. Huh? You see, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't cognizant of his imminence until he had placed himself in a juxtaposition to the vestibule by his ambidextrous manipulations. Is there anything else you'd like to know, Miss Canova? Yeah, how did he get in the front door? <laughs> <laughs> Miss Canova, I heard about your date with Mr. Bosford. You think he likes you? Well, Winchester, I ain't sure, but every time he sees me in a sweater, he says, Oh, boy. See, I wish I looked more like a girl. <laughs> Miss Judy... Mr. Mr. Bosford is here. Oh, hello, Judy. My, but you look wonderful. I do? Yes, if I do say so myself, you and Lana Turner and Betty Grable are sisters under the skin. You know, one of my other fellas told me that, too. He did? 
Yep, but he told me to crawl back under the skin and send out one of my sisters. <laughs> Are you ready to bid on my picnic lunch? You mean before the other fellows have a chance? Why not? The Count already offered me one franc. Oh, but it wouldn't be fair. I have too many scruples. Scruples? Say, don't either one of you fellas got any American money? <laughs> oh, Judy, you're so naive. So cute. I could love you. You could? Yes, Judy. I could love you terribly. Well, come around when you've improved your technique. <laughs> you misunderstand. I know a thousand ways to kiss a girl. Would you like to learn a few? A few? Shuck, show me a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, Judy, you say such cute things. For two pins, I'd grab you and kiss you. Well, here, take these. My hair always comes down anyhow. <laughs> Gee, Benchley, why do you want to kiss me? Why, kissing is a natural expression of love, Judy. Now, look at those two lovebirds in their cage, billing and cooing. Why can't we do that? Well, do you think there's room enough for us up there? Uh, Judy, when the moon is high tonight, we'll have a wonderful time at the picnic. See, eventually, I can't go to the picnic and go horseback riding. That's why I want you to bid for the lunch here. Well, why can't you go horseback riding? Well, you see, I had a little accident today baking bread. I put in the flour, the yeast, the salt, sugar, and shortening, and... Then I guess I must have misunderstood the cookbook. What do you mean? Well, the book said, set on stove until the bread rises. <laughs> what happened? I rose before the bread did. <laughs> well, folks, now that the war is over, we're all going through a period of reconversion. Some of us won't have as much money as others, but... Not having as much money as the next feller ain't so bad if you don't spend what you got trying to prove you got more than him. Besides, you can't buy happiness with money anyhow. You know, I, I get a lot of happiness just singing a little old song my mama used to sing to me. Go to sleepy little baby, go to sleepy little baby. When you wake, you patty patty cake and ride a shiny little pony. Daddy's coming home, baby. Daddy's coming home, baby. Stop your crying, Daddy will be buying you a shiny little pony. Hush, Bob, a little baby. Bye, Bob, a little baby. Daddy's gonna be home with you and me. Then you'll never be so lonely. Go to sleep, little baby. Go to sleep, little baby. When you wake, you patty patty cake and ride a shiny little pony. Rock a baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bar breaks, the cradle will fall. Down will come, baby, cradle and ball. Hush, bye, little baby. Bye, love, little baby. Daddy's gonna be home with you and me. Then we'll never be so lonely. Oh, go to sleep, little baby. Go to sleep, little baby. 
When you wake, you patty patty cake and ride a shiny little pony. Go to sleep, you little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. When you wake, you patty patty cake and ride a shiny little Folks, it was awfully nice being with you tonight, and I hope we'll all be together again next Saturday night. In the meantime, please don't forget the two products that bring us together each week, palm olive soap and Colgate tooth powder, the bestest in the world. This is Judy Canova from Hollywood saying, Good night, soldier, wherever you may be. My heart's lonely without you. Thank you for listening. I hope you're with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.